Um, today we are starting our brand new teaching series. Um, for those of you that follow us on uh, Instagram, you'll have seen uh, lots of tweets about this. This series is called My Big Fat Mouth. And do you know what? In this series, we're going to do... Um, Today we're going to talk about a topic that I'll introduce in a moment, um, and we're going to be doing it the next two threads after this one. Um, threads is essentially every other week. Um, so in two weeks' time, we've got Threads Live. Then two weeks after that, we've got Threads Acoustic again. In two weeks' time, we're going to talk about lying. And then in four weeks' time, um, we're going to talk about gossip. Um, and I'm going to be pretty straight-talking in this series. I'm going to be pretty direct. I'm not going to hold back. I genuinely believe that this series, more than any other series that we've ever done in Cruise or Threads, is a series that we at Life Central Youth need to hear. When I've been preparing for this, when I've been writing it, in fact, we've we've used a lot of it, a lot of the content and a lot of the uh, kind of um, design stuff um, from a church in America called Life.Church um, and from their pastor, Craig Rochelle. But as I've been preparing this, um, I've, I've been really challenged about myself, about my big fat mouth, about the things that I say I, that I shouldn't say and all of that. And, and I think this is going to be really um, crucial for us in Life Central Youth and how we relate to each other and to other people who aren't a part of Life Central Youth. I remember um, back when I first started as a youth worker, my first paid job as a youth worker, I was leading um, the theatre company going in and out of prisons for Youth for Christ. The uh, company was called Inside Out because we would work inside and out of prisons, clever. Um, and I'd, I'd done two gap years with Youth for Christ and then they gave me the honour and the privilege of being able to lead a team and lead this theatre company going in and out of prisons. And uh, one of the guys on my team, um, he was a mate of mine. He'd done the gap year the year before me, um, I, with me. And when I got the job of leading the team, he decided actually it was a team that he wanted to be a part of. Um, so I ended up in my first year as being a leader, leading a really good mate of mine. And it was a nightmare. It was a disaster from start to finish. Thankfully, we're still good mates now, but there were some moments where it got really, really bad. He wasn't the easiest person to lead. I wasn't the best leader because I was young. I was making mistakes. And uh, I remember one particular moment when we were at uh, the Youth for Christ conference that they have every year in January. And um, we were supposed to be leading this seminar and I'd agreed with my team that we're going to lead the seminar and we're going to meet at 2.30 so that we can go through the seminar, so that we can um, kind of go over who's doing what bit again, make sure everything's sorted and ready, and then the seminar would start at 3 o'clock. Now, this one lad, um, he decided that he was off playing basketball with some friends. Um, he decided that he didn't need to be there till half past. Didn't turn up till 2.45. I absolutely lost my rag with him. I went through him like a freight train, had a right go at him, decided it wasn't appropriate. If he can't be bothered to turn up on time, then he shouldn't be, be doing the seminar. So I said, mate, you're not needed. You need to just go. You're not, you're not doing the seminar. I'll do your bits. And absolutely lost my call with him. Um, I shouldn't have done that. That was a mistake by me. But then I thought, after we'd done the seminar, I thought, right, I'm going to go and sort this situation out. So I went, knocked on his hotel room door, and we tried to settle it, and it was a disaster. It was awful. It ended up in this massive argument. And it finished with him saying, no wonder you weren't confident as a leader because you make terrible calls and you're a terrible leader. 
I had two options. The first option was to punch him in the face. And I very nearly did that. My second option, I just walked away. I walked out and I went away thinking, I'm a terrible leader and I make terrible calls. You know, criticism is so, so hard to deal with. It is so hard when people criticize us. And that's what I want to focus this first session on about criticism. Now, I'm not talking about constructive criticism and helpful coaching and trying to improve things. I'm talking about deliberate, destructive, nasty criticism that comes out of all of our big, fat mouths. And some of you, I guarantee, some of you are already thinking, I hope they're listening. Or you're thinking, oh, I can't believe that person's not here because they need to hear it. Or you're thinking, I'm going I'm, I'm to make sure this person hears it. I'm going to send them it on podcast. Like, you're already thinking that because when I was preparing this, I was thinking, I hope that person hears this talk. Oh, I, I might send this video to that person. Like, we, we need to move from thinking their big fat mouth to my big fat mouth. It is deliberately called my big fat mouth because when we say it out loud, we're thinking about ourselves. I don't want you to be thinking, oh, well, that person does that and that person does that. I want you to allow God to challenge you this morning on the things that you might say from your big fat mouth when it comes to criticism. Because it's really hard to spot a critical spirit in yourself. It's really hard to see it in the mirror, but it's easy to see when other people are critical. It's easy to pick up that other people are critical and nasty. And you know, we like to criticize other people. We do it. Sometimes we think they deserve it. Well, I'm not wrong. I'm just saying what everyone's thinking. Like, and we criticize other people in loads and loads of ways, like the way that they wear their clothes or the brands that they wear. We might criticize the things that they post on social media oh, I can't believe they, they posted that crying selfie. Like We criticize people in the way that they play a particular sport, the way that they relate to other people, the people that they go out with or the number of people that they go out with. We criticize each other in so many different ways. But check this out, what it says in Galatians 5. It's going to come up on the screen. It says this, um, the whole law can be summed up in this one command. You've heard this before. Love your neighbor as yourself but then the second half of it but if you are always biting and devouring one another watch out beware of destroying one another you know in life central youth i've seen both halves of this i could go on for days about how how much i've seen you guys love each other how much i've seen you guys look out and care for each other and how much i've seen that i've seen it tons and tons and tons so i'm not being super critical and i'm not like pretending that i can only see one half of it but i do see bits of the second half of it it says but if you are always biting and devouring one another watch out be be aware of destroying one another I have seen some biting and, and, and having a go at each other and being critical. I'm aware that there have been certain situations in, in the last few weeks that have risen up that aren't major, but are just little bits of biting at each other, little bits of devouring each other, little bits of a critical spirit coming out. And, you know, in preparing this, I've seen it in me. Honestly, I wrote this talk on Thursday and I have seen it so much and so many times in the last just 48 hours I've gone to say something and God's gone, watch your big fat mouth, Hancock. 
like we have got to be so so careful with it and I think what I'm going to share with you is going to help us to move forward because I really believe God wants to do something amazing in Life Central Youth and if you're new today you're really welcome and I would love you to to be a part of it we're a family but we welcome people into our family and we and I really believe God wants to do something through this series so that we can be better at welcoming new people as well as loving each other because what if your words, what if my words were damaging relationships? What if my words or your words were making people consider whether they wanted to come anymore? What if my words or your words were making people doubt the truth of what God says about them? We have got to be so careful when we think about our big fat mouths we have got to be careful. It says this, um, it's not going to come up on the screen, but it says this in Proverbs 12. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. In Ephesians 4, it says, do not let any unwholesome, like nasty, bad, rude uh, talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may be beneficial to those who are listening. Get this, you have no idea how much your critical words can affect people. You have no idea how much criticism can affect somebody's heart. They could carry it around with them for years. If you don't believe me, think about a critical word that somebody said about you. It's true because we do it ourselves. We have no idea the power that our critical words have. On the other side of that, you have no idea how much God could use an encouraging word from you. How much somebody might be struggling with their faith, struggling with relationships, and you just say an encouraging word and it lifts them up. In short, guys, I want you to know that your big fat mouth has power. Your big fat mouth has power. That should come up on the screen, please, Angel. That would be amazing. You and your big fat mouth, you have the power to destroy, to hurt people's hearts, or to bring life and build up people. You know, in that, in that story that I shared um, at the start, I had a line manager called Jeff, and Jeff got alongside me in that moment, and I went and talked to him, and I was like, mate, I think I'm a terrible leader, I think I should quit, I think I should leave. And he's like, mate, you're not, yes, you got it wrong, you didn't deal with that in the best way. He said, but... Andy, you're passionate. You're passionate. When you, you know where you want to lead people to, and you're not scared to make big decisions. And he spoke life into me. And he said, Andy, you've got this one thing slightly wrong, and we can work on it. But, man, you are not a terrible leader. You are a great leader, and God's going to do. And he started speaking life and hope into me. You see, you have no idea how much God might use a single word of encouragement. When it comes to our big fat mouths, there are two things that we can be. The first thing that we can be is a fault finder. You know, when somebody annoys you, everything about their existence annoys you. The way that they breathe, the way that they eat, the way that they walk, the way that they wear their trainers, the way that they post on social media, their parents begin to annoy you, the way that they hand their homework into their teacher, everything about them annoys you. Why? Because you find one fault 
and you begin to find other faults to justify the way that you feel and justify the way that you think. And we begin to pick out things, the way that they chew things, all sorts. And it is frightening because when we do that, we become like the devil. That feels like a harsh statement to say, but I want to back it up. You know, the Bible has loads of different words and different names that it has for God, for Jesus, but also for the devil. The devil's known as the prince of darkness, the deceiver, the destroyer, the father of lies. The devil is also known as the accuser. And the Bible says that the devil accuses the people before God. You know, when you sit there and you find fault with people and you begin to get annoyed and you go, well, that's wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong. And you might not say it out loud, but you think it in your heart. You're accusing the people before God. Isn't that terrifying? The devil's job is to destroy, to break down, to, to um, belittle, to, to destroy stuff. You know, when we, when we criticize, I think, we think it makes us look bigger. We think it makes us look smarter. We think it makes us look funnier. But actually, it, comes, it makes us look in, insecure. And it makes us look mean. And it's ugly. It's really, really ugly. And you know, I don't want to be a person that is like that. I know when I criticize, I often criticize the things in people that annoy me, but I am exactly the same. The things that they do that annoy me, I know I do them. You see, we, we often criticize as well because we don't understand we don't understand what's going on behind them. You know, we might criticize them for the way they reacted or the way they posted or, or the way they said that certain thing or the way they wore, you know, they might have smelt of BO one day and you criticize them. But we don't know what is going on behind closed doors. We don't understand the situations and the circumstances that they are coming from. And we can be critical because we don't understand. I think we've got to, we've got to learn to see the person behind the behavior let's not just treat the behavior but let's look at the person behind the behavior and see everything in context here's the kicker when it comes to being a fault finder i have never ever met a critical person that i want to be like if you're a fault finder and you choose to be that fault finder and choose to be a critical person no one will want to be like you. Because I've never met a critical person that I look up to and think, one day I want to be as critical as you. In Proverbs, it says, it is better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. I praise the Lord that my wife is not quarrelsome or complaining. You know, it's not just talking about wives there. It's talking about people. It is better to live alone in the desert than with somebody who is a fault finder, quarrelsome, complaining, critical person. There is another option. You're all looking a little bit hopeless. The other option, when it comes to our big fat mouths, is we can be a fault finder or we can be a hope dealer. I said hope, not dope. Please don't go home and tell your parents I said be a dope dealer. Be a hope dealer. Do you know, you're never more like Jesus when you're dishing out hope. It says this in Romans 15, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' name is synonymous 
with hope right through the New Testament. Um, in 1 Timothy, he's called our hope. In Titus 2, he's called the blessed hope. In 1 Peter, he's called living hope. The Bible says it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. I want to be a person that dishes out hope. There's this amazing story where um, there's a woman caught in adultery and she's dragged out before Jesus. The, the Pharisees drag her out. If you're looking for fault finders in the Bible, the Pharisees are fault finders because they find this woman caught in adultery. Adultery means basically sleeping with somebody who's not her husband. And they find fault in her and they drag her before Jesus and they go, well, the law says that this, 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 and this, and, you, and she should be killed and she's out of order. And, and they're all finding faults in this woman. And Jesus kneels to the ground and he begins to just kind of draw on the floor. And the Pharisees say, what should we do, Jesus? And Jesus says, if any of you has never done anything wrong, then you can be the first person to throw a stone. And one by one, the Pharisees, the fault finders disappeared until it was just Jesus and this woman. Now, Jesus had every right to throw a stone. Jesus had every right. He knew exactly what this woman had done wrong. But instead of being a fault finder, he was a hope dealer. And he looked her in her eyes and he said, where have your accusers gone? And she said, they've left. And he said, then go and leave your life of sin. Jesus dealt out hope. In, a, in this woman's lowest moment, in a moment where he could have picked out the faults, he dealt hope. Jesus is a hope dealer. And I believe we can choose to be hope dealers with our big, fat mouths. You know, I don't want to be a fault finder who belittles, tears down, and destroys people. You know, I don't want to be known as a savage I know that the term savage is like a banter word and it's on social media. But savage is literally like someone who's willing to say whatever and do whatever to, in order to belittle other people. Like I think we can all do away with that word savage. And we, can, we can't be proud of being savage. I want to be a hope dealer, not a fault finder. Like I said before, you have no idea how God might use a single word of encouragement. You know... I know um, in my role at Hub on Friday nights, we, uh, we often have to, have to deal with incidents and deal with discipline and people. And um, it's often my job because I'm often leader in charge. It's normally me or Hannah Hughes. And um, what, what we've had to do a number of times is give people final warnings. If you get a final warning, if you do anything else, we have to send you home and call your parents and all that kind of jazz. And... Um, what we've, what we've done and a tactic that we've taken a, a number of times with a number of different young people, mostly lads, because um, it's normally lads who are causing trouble at Hub, um, is what we've done is we've, we've had a few weeks where they've got to a final warn and they've been a pain all night. They've done our heads in. They've, they've annoyed other people. They've broken lots of rules. And they've got to a final warn and, and then they've been fine. And the tactic that we've taken now is we've started to go, after they've done that for a couple of weeks, at the start of the night we'll put them straight onto a final warning before they've done anything. And that feels and sounds really harsh, and it is, but the delivery is so, so important, isn't it? 
Because what would happen is um, I, would, I would pull them in. Imagine it's Matty and I say to Matt, Matty comes through the door and I say, Matty, I need a quick word with you before Hub starts. Before you go and off and enjoy yourself, I just need to chat with you. And I would sit Matty down in the classroom and I would say, right, Matty, the last few weeks we've had to put you on a, on a final warning. And it's not been great. But when you've hit a final warning, you have been brilliant. And you have behaved excellently. You have shown us that you know how to come and obey the rules. You know how to come and have fun without doing other people's heads in. You have shown us that you know how to do that. So we are going to do you a favor tonight. We're going to start you on a final warning. And they go, what, 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 why? That's not fair. I go, but we have seen that you are capable of behaving in this youth club. And we think that you, if you start on a final warning, you will, you will be able to go the whole night without breaking a rule, without doing anyone's head in. We won't have to talk again. We won't have to pull you into the classroom again. We just want to see you enjoy yourself and have a good time in this youth club. So we're doing you a favor. I know it feels harsh, but we are doing you a favor because we believe that you can do it. Now, I could, at the start of the night, go, we're going to put you on a final warning because you've done our heads in and we want, we want to find a way to get rid of you. So that's what we're doing. That's a fault finder. But we want to deal hope because that's what we deal in at Life Central Youth. And what we're choosing to do is rather than focusing on, on, in on the faults and the bad stuff, we want to focus in on the good behavior and on the good things and choose to see the hope and the good in people. And I really believe that we need to do that. You know, let's be people who call out the good in each other. Let's be people who encourage you. You know, your mate might be someone who is always late and is disorganized, but you know that they're a loyal friend and they'll be with you no matter what. They might be a bit of a show-off and a bit of a loudmouth, because I am, but you know that God is doing something in them and God's raising them up to be a leader or God's going to use them in a massive way. They might often leave you out, but you know they're really good at welcoming new people and engaging with new people as they come into you for coming to your friendship group. They might be really bad at returning your calls. I am so bad at getting back to my mates. But they all know that the moment something happened or if they text me and said, I really need you, I would be there and I would drop everything. Guys, let's choose to not be fault finders and let's choose to see the good in each other. You know, you have no idea how much a word of criticism can hurt somebody. You have no idea how much God can use a single word of encouragement. You have no idea the power your big fat mouth has. Guys, let's choose not to be fault finders, but let's choose to be hope dealers. Band, if you could make your way back up to stage, that would be great. Guys, why don't we stand together? And I wonder if everyone would just close their eyes. I wonder whether some of you have felt quite challenged by what I've said. I know I've 
felt challenged when I've been writing it. Maybe some of you are still carrying some of the hurt of words that people have said over you. Maybe some of you know that you've said things to other people that you shouldn't have said. And God's just been challenging you on that this morning. There's decisions to be made in this moment. Whether to be a fault finder or a hope dealer. Maybe you need to be somebody who's willing to forgive and move on and let go of some of the the negative criticism that, that has come your way. Let go of the hurtful things that maybe somebody in this room has said to you. Maybe some of you need to go and apologize to somebody who you've said a word to them, you said something that you shouldn't have and you know that and God's, God's like putting his finger on it and it's almost like you're, you're replaying it in your mind like, like your own version of Netflix and it's just making you curl up inside. Maybe God's asking you to, to go and seek like, forgiveness and to go and apologize to that person. Maybe all of us today can make a commitment and say, do you know what? I'm not going to be a fault finder I'm going to be a hope dealer and choosing to see life, choosing to build up people, choosing to speak hope into people's lives. And we're going to just close together and and, uh, sing this song. This song's called Jesus at the center of it all. And the reason that we've chosen this song is actually all of this comes from having Jesus at the center you know if we're going to be willing to be challenged um, by by God and, and the things that he might want to say to us then we've got to got to have Jesus at the center of our lives if we're going to be hope dealers the hope that we deal is through the power of Jesus so we say Jesus would you be at the center so we're going to sing that now as, as we finish. We'll probably have to sing a short version of it because we're a little bit over. Um, but maybe in that moment, why don't you pray, seek God? Like if God's challenging you on stuff, pray about it. And guys, let's act on it. Let's act on it. Let's be hope dealers. And let's deal in hope. Let's do that.